It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on your path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Revenue North Star, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenues, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales customized to your company environment. Welcome everybody to the Revenue Maze. I'm super excited about this guest today. I have gotten on LinkedIn, I have gotten to the point that I just love her. I Anything that she posts, I try to comment on. So anyways, she is a workaholic, but she loves it and she has fun doing it. And she loves to create content. And if anybody knows Clifton Strength Finders, she's a woo. And... <laughs> I always do that because I think that's so cool. And she loves travel. And well, she's written a book. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, she's just an idea machine. She used to be afraid of she'd run out of content, but it's it, there's no way. If you've ever met her, she just idea after idea after idea. So it's awesome. And she has started several companies. And she has, it's behind her. She has written the book, How Good Humans Sell, which I have shared with many of my sales teams. And it is just an amazing book. I definitely promote it. And so I would love to welcome CEO of Extra Bold Sales, Catherine Brown. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. That is a generous and diverse introduction. And it's fair and true. <laughs> so I appreciate the opportunity to talk with your audience. I've been enjoying listening to your podcast. I really enjoy following you on LinkedIn as well. And I'm so grateful for your support. Oh, it's great to have you. And we want to talk more about what you're doing and all the exciting, fun stuff. But first, we always ask one question on the show. What is one thing that you can tell the listeners that will help them get out of the revenue maze? Yes. Have a strong call to action is my answer. So when I say a strong call to action, what I mean is that in every single interaction we have, every discovery phone call, giving a demonstration, if you're a product company, if you are ending a coffee with someone, it doesn't matter what it is. What is the next step that we want to take together? Can we go ahead and set that date while we're together? And then what I will do in written form or in voicemail is I will also name what I'm going to do next. So I'll model that for you. That might sound like in a sales email, it would say, can you speak on Tuesday or Thursday? I'm available at three or four central time. If I don't connect with you by Friday, I'll give you a call and see if I can catch you Friday morning, right? Then I schedule that in my own CRM. I hold myself accountable. And I'm also telling them I'm serious about meeting and it's okay if you don't want to, but you need to let me know either way. And so it keeps the ball moving forward. That has been a big game changer for clients of mine who've practiced that. That is a game changer. So <laughs> I mean, that, that is one of the hardest things is to train people to actually do that great call to action. They either think they're 
too pushy or, you know, I, I hear all the time, you know, I've got to be this servant of the client and you'll hear just like all this, Hey, when can you meet, meet next? Which is very open-ended, right? Yes. And so tell us a little bit about how you kind of train some of these people to, to get that call to action where yes. they feel comfortable. Yes. It's really important people use their own words that they say it as personally and individually as they possibly can. So for example, some people feel more comfortable using the passive voice. Some people feel more comfortable using the active voice. Those are a couple choices. It could be with more relaxed language or more formal language, just different ways people can do it. I, I, it is a mind shift. And I will tell you that i I do receive a fair amount of resistance on that very last point about naming what you'll do next. Yes. Most people will buy in. Most people will buy into, oh, I, you're right. I should never get off a call. It's like, why are you sending a proposal without a time to talk about the proposal? That's crazy. Stop doing that. Like if people go, oh, that's crazy. I should stop doing that. Okay. Like nobody has a problem with some of those suggestions, but when it gets to great, here, how about we do this? And if whether or not we connect, here's what I'll do. That is where to some people it really crosses a line and they feel like, God, that's so aggressive. My counter to that is that it's not helpful to a very busy person who is most of our buyers. That's how we are. Yeah. Look how far out we had to work to book this podcast. I mean, a long been, time. <laughs> we've been scheduled a long time, right? Because we both have a lot going on. And so if we are that kind of buyer, right? If we're that kind of business owner, which I think we are, we are the we are the buyer that a lot of people want to sell to, then it is the seller's job to be to meet the part of the good humanness is to make it easy to work with us. And easy is clear. It's clear. When you dump this vague statement in my lap and say, let me know if you're interested. I know that the seller's heart is to be kind and not pushy, but it feels like you just dumped a pile of, you know what, in my lap, because now it's all my responsibility. Am I supposed to look at my calendar and send you my Calendly and propose times next? Like you're supposed to make this easy for me. You're the one that wants to make a sale. So if I can get people to understand Clarity is love. <laughs> clarity, clarity is love. Clarity is help. When you are unclear and vague, because really you're afraid. That's what it's about is that you're afraid you're going to be perceived as too pushy. Number one, that's unattractive. Nobody likes to buy from people like that. And number two, you know, it, it is also reflecting it. You're risking that it's reflecting a lack of clear process on your side. So I'll give you a quick example. I just was on a sales call earlier today. Really interesting. This guy has a podcast service that's interesting, which remind me to tell you about. Okay. It was really interesting. <laughs> it was really interesting. Um, but we, we, we're talking and we're getting toward the end of the call and I'm kind of waiting. Like I'm waiting for him to say what's going to happen next. Because I said, well, I can tell I need to have an internal conversation and I need to do a couple things on my side. I was waiting to see if he was going to drive to that next step or he was holding back for me to do it. And in this case, I was the buyer, right? Yeah. So I, I think people, they actually do expect that and want to be given some guidance about how others have purchased and how it looks, but it's that fear of not being seen as a good human that makes people hold back. And then we're actually, ironically, I think we're being unhelpful. Yeah. Yeah. 
your book points out a statistic and I want you to share that, but where do salespeople feel they fit in the tier of jobs from doctor? This is from your book. This is why it's so digestible because it resonates with everybody, right? It goes through, but tell them that story because I think, and I've used that story even on the podcast and quoted you because oh, that is really one one thing that they struggle with and why they won't do the call to action. So why don't you share that? That's story? right. Well, so to do the research for how good humans sell, I did some, a lot of anonymous surveying and I surveyed both business owners who are the primary seller for their company, as well as the full-time business to business salespeople that those owners hire. Mm-hmm. And I had a little bit of difference in the way people answered. I was expecting that the business owners would have more reluctance because they typically are practitioners who Mm -hmm. start out to do something. They don't start out wanting to be a salesperson. They just have to be a salesperson for a while. Yeah. (laughs) But, but what was, what was sad was the volunteer, you know, volunteering to be a sales professional answers that people gave to a number of the questions. And so the one that you're referencing is I asked people, I named seven professions and being a sales professional was one of seven choices. And I asked people to independently rate on a scale of one to seven, one being not, not respectable at all. And seven being the most respectable, great, greatest job ever. I asked people to independently rate these different professions. So I asked about doctor, pastor, or religious leader. I asked about plumbers. I tried to get blue collar, white collar, a little bit of religion in there. I tried to give a few choices and sales was one of them. And what was so interesting and sad was that I did not ask people to rank from most respectable to least respectable in their perspective. I asked them to independently rate them. And even though they independently rated them, sales came out last. Yeah. So, so it, it had, you know, had the lowest score by those who do the job. And I think that's interesting too, because Val, what will happen is I noticed this when I hear other sales professionals interviewed on podcasts, I've heard on your podcast, when people say, how did you get started in sales? Most people's story is I fell into it. Yes. They're not going into it voluntarily. They mm-hmm. fall into it for some reason and either become convinced or they're so desperate <laughs> or they're the owner who learns, oh, I can actually do this. And they get good at it. And then they go a different direction. I have yeah. a good friend who studied electrical engineering. He did start out in sales out of college, selling very, very technical things. And he has made a career as a salesperson. But I would say he would even say he fell into it because it was the next right thing because he decided even though he got his degree, he didn't like engineering enough. So he was pretty hungrily looking for something else to do. I think that's how a lot of people get to it. And they're they're kind of apologetic about the role. Yeah, they're apologetic. I, I think that resonated so much to me when you did that study, because I'm, I'm a constant learner. I'm constantly looking, you know, I'm a fan of the challenger methodology, all the different methodologies, depending on the situation that I'm in. One of the biggest problems with sellers closing deals is head trash. 
And you so care, you so you crafted this so well, you crafted like, this is exactly what this is going on in their mind. You know, they always say that one in eight jobs is a sales job, yet very few of them should be in sales. Right. And it is kind of a mental kind of thing. And when you're, even with job hires, I will literally now put that in the test. Where do you rank this as a profession? Because sure, if they might be a CSR or maybe an account manager role or something that that's okay. But if they're really that avid, that guy who really thinks they're helping with this need, that's changing the universe, right? Because why do companies even build products to begin with or services to begin with? It's to solve a need, right? right. And, and if you're already saying, well, I don't feel like I'm solving that need in your book. You mentioned that as well, that there was somebody you were coaching and he was really the bottom feeder. He was like, well, I don't feel like I would want it. Therefore I'm projecting this on somebody else. And that's a whole nother podcast we can get into. Right. But that's right. How are they expected to then say I'm helping somebody by doing a call to action? That's right. right. I mean, (laughs) that's right. That's right. (laughs) You know, I think this category of beliefs, so think of a simple circle that says sales success at the top and, you know, one half is beliefs and one half is tools and most sales training and most sales coaching that I have encountered and that I have read about is only covering mostly, you know, one side of the circle and that's the tools side. That's everything from sales enablement technology to what CRM to even the technique, like we just talked about getting out of the revenue maze, right? Having a strong call to action. Those steps and tools, they are important. Mm-hmm. I, I think that because I wanted to write about some of the tools in the, in, the, in the book, at the time I wrote it, I thought I felt good about the 50-50 representation that I made in that circle. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that the more time that passes, the more I think I might have the beliefs part take over even more in future circles. I, uh, I have to figure out how I'll test that and show that. But I, I, I meant it as an average. I meant it as an illustration. I meant it as a case to, to lay out why the book is half about beliefs and half about tools. In practice, in, in reality, there is so much about what you think about sales in general, what you think about the product or service you're representing, and The other thing that isn't nearly addressed enough that I am starting to do more research on, and I think will probably be in the direction of my next book, is about the beliefs about self. Yes. This interaction where personal development meets selling. Because if you, let's just be frank, if you don't like yourself and you're not confident as a person, or you don't think you deserve to greatly exceed to get the bonus or to, 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 you know, to exceed the commission or to, 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 to blow the top off, whatever. If you don't believe that you're going to self-handicap and have self um, defeating behaviors, whether they're mm-hmm. conscious or subconscious. And yeah. we all have done that, right? I know this from personal experience. And so to me, the beliefs are about a whole direction about what you think about selling and that's worth exploring 
as is this question of what do you as a human being deserve to enjoy in your work? And, and the more confidence you have about that with yourself, it's that old analogy of the cup, right? If you, if you, if you don't have a broken cup, then you're not leaking out the bottom and you'll have more to give. And then you, I think you'll believe these things that we want people to believe about sales because you'll just have more that you're giving from because you're a healthier person. Yeah, that is one of the, I 100% agree with that. And I can't wait to hear your finding in your next book on it. But in my experience, it is literally, so we went from like selling in the recession of 2008, right? And everybody started to shout, well, technology and AI is going to take over. But we, to elaborate the point, tools are a tool and I love AI. Trust me, I'm a Star Trek fan. I am, you name it, I'm going to have every tool. And so I am not knocking tools when I say this, but when we talk about tools and the whole sales force was scared that this was going to take over, you know, by 2012, everybody's like sales teams are going to be gone. Right. And then you're going, uh, wait a minute. Even some of the best AI have not been able to simulate exactly that whole human behavior, human behavior, right? We know it. We can smell it on LinkedIn when it's automated, right? Somebody comes and they say, Hey, Valerie, let's connect. Cause I think you're wonderful. And you're like, yeah, that's automated. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we, we kind of smell and sniff out that genuine behavior that a human being can have. Right. So if they have that self-loathing or self-limiting, we call it that too, belief, then they really can't tap their passion. And we have a generation of very passionate, you know, they've been exposed to the media their entire lives, right? So very passionate generation that wants to love what they do, right? So a tool is just something to get more organized or to help them, but it isn't going to change some of that genuineness that the the world is starving for right now, right? Yes, yes. That connection that we talk about. We don't talk networking. We talk connection, right? Like and communities. people are buying communities, communities right. and credibility. We we had that conversation recently about trust me. No, 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 no. You earn trust, but you have credibility, right? Because you then eventually become trusted right in that whole community that connection that you will do what you say and what you're you know doing and human beings are what i feel somewhat fix that right that be able to have those interactions to say yes we're going to do this a tool gets told someone asked me about buying a list and i said yes the list will be fine as long as you tell it exactly what you want most of the people who are upset with their list is they didn't tell them exactly. Exactly. It's ridiculous how specific you have to be. If you are diligent about that, then you will get a pretty good list that will still need a little scrubbing, but it'll be pretty good. Yeah. So I love what you're saying with that. So Mm -hmm. I would love for you. I can't wait till your next book is out by the way, but I would love to see that study because 100%, I totally totally believe in that. And so recently (laughs) you had a little story 
about um, working from anywhere and um, kind of going out and embarking on um, speaking in England, I think it was, was it England? Do you, you don't have to share it, but I thought it was such a cool story. Um, Oh, I I don't mind. It's a case you kind of opened in the intro with the case about the strengths, Clifton strengths. (laughs) As an assessment. I, I can, I can share about, I can tie it to that. So I had an opportunity to go in March of 2022. So whenever someone's listening to this later, they'll know, think about where you, where we were with COVID in-person conferences coming back. And I had an opportunity to submit a talk for a big tech conference that was going to be in London. And I actually submitted it with a friend who has a marketing agency we did a pre-con, which was all day. It was eight hours. So she wanted a partner for that, which was great because eight hours is a long time to teach by yourself. Yeah. And so we, we shared that time. And then we also had a breakout session during the, the actual conference. So we got to speak twice. Our talks got accepted. I am and was looking for more in-person speaking opportunities to talk about how good humans sell. And so I had, and I had not ever spoken internationally about it. So I wanted to go to London to, so I could say that I was an international speaker. It's like yeah. you know, one of the first times to do something like that. So we go to this conference, we have a great time. It goes great. People are taking some COVID precautions. I, you know, did everything I felt like was in my power, except to not go, you know, to <laughs> reasonable caution. The most reasonable, most, most cautious thing would have been to not go, but I did everything I thought was reasonably in my power to be prepared and be careful. And I tested in my room. The hotels are providing at this time, they're providing people in-home tests. I'm, I'm fine, 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 fine the whole time. And I go to Heathrow the morning it was time to leave. And I, at, at that time to re-enter the U.S., you had to have a test that was authorized. You had to give your passport number and you had to have it authorized by only a few people. You couldn't um, you had to show proof of negative and you had to do it a certain way. So I booked it at the airport because that was one of the certified testing spots and London's really big. It's really yes. hard to get over to one, <laughs> take the tube and get across town, you know, to your, <laughs> your testing site. So, you know, what's going to happen is the long story short, I take the test. I am COVID positive. I can't get on the plane and it's 7 a.m. England time, which makes it the middle of the night in the U S and I'm thinking, nobody knows that I'm stuck here. Like all my conferences over, I've checked out, et cetera. So it was this amazing, terrible, interesting (laughs) experience, but I had recently taken the Clifton strength assessment. And I had my whole team. I have several people that work for me and my company. And I had my whole team. We had a grid made and my friend, Dana Williams, who I recommend did this assessment for us. And we talked about what the strengths meant for the team. Well, I could just hear her voice. She's from Dallas, Texas. And she has, I think, a a noticeable Texas accent. You might think I have one too, but I think hers is even, even (laughs) And um, so I can hear her, you know, in talking to me in my head and I sit down. So I have, I have a good cry, you know, I'm like feeling really sad and a little bit stressed. So I have a little bit of a cry and then I kind of pull myself together in the airport and I can hear Dana and she's saying, use your strengths, Catherine, use your strengths. <laughs> and I was like, what are my strengths? What can I do? And I literally thought of the top five and to, to, you've already mentioned woo as one of those, mm-hmm. which stands for winning others over, which I think is hilarious. 
Um, also, I think it's a funny word. I do too. Another is positivity and another is futuristic. Mm-hmm. And I really did think of that. And I thought, this is going to make the most interesting story. Mm-hmm. And you have everything you need to make the best of this because you can look ahead and you're going to be all right. You're going to figure it out. And I really did. Like, that was it. I didn't cry anymore. <laughs> I started to feel resourceful. I got another cup of coffee and I was like, okay, I need a place to live. Where am I going to go? You know, I started yeah. thinking through <laughs> what to do, but I really was proud of myself. And I would say like, even I appreciate the opportunity to tell the story, Valerie, because I think it goes back to this idea about beliefs. Like I want people to hear, because I think some people who might follow me as I you know, get more opportunities and speak more or however I come across on social media, I think some people might hear it and think, well, I'm surprised you sat down and cried, or of course you felt like you could do it. I I would say, you know, it, it took up into this moment in my life to be able to pivot quite quickly. Mm -hmm. I still was sad, worried, scared, but pretty quickly, I was able to draw on my resources and say, what do I need to do, you know, to go forward? And, and part of why that's happened has, is my increasing confidence that I've gained over time with things I talk about in the book, with things I talk about with my clients, about knowing yourself, growing in emotional intelligence, understanding what you're thinking, noticing what you're thinking, and not being ruled by those feelings. You know, even in, even in the moment, I was able to say, okay you're feeling a certain way right now, but you're going to be okay and start to coach myself through. It's being ruled by feelings that keeps people from making their calls, mm-hmm. right? It They're does. like, I feel scared. I'm going to be rejected. I remember that one time someone was mean to me. And so now I don't want to do it anymore. And we let, you know, we let the way our mind will make up a story, create meaning around ways that we feel. We let that dictate our revenue success. And it's tragic. It's tragic that we let that happen because we can grow and change and get better. So we can master ourselves in self-control so we can get what we want. And I think people want us to be ridiculously successful selling, but they, they, they don't know how to get there and they don't have self mastery to get there. Yeah. I 100% agree with what you just said. It's, it's a plan. It's how do I get there? You know, you talked about earlier that some people just fell into sales. Most of them did, right? We, we do know that. Um, Some of them, because it is one of the most lucrative careers you can have without a degree sometimes. Right. So, so it's like, well, I couldn't do college or I couldn't do this. So you have a, a, a large group of people that think because they want those rewards, but because they didn't have a college degree or because they didn't do X, Y, Z, I don't care if it's a college degree, right? right. Some of the most brilliant people I've ever met never had a college degree, right? Yeah. Because they yeah. just learn differently. They can play the game, right? Yes. And, yes. and um, so then though, what happens is they limit from the get-go, I'm only in this because I couldn't get anything better versus seeing the old, I, I love this, 
Zig Ziglar, you know, how it was just a very noble profession. We are helping people, you know, and you are helping people like with your book, there's a big following that goes, we talk about sometimes using like no statements or things that make people feel comfortable on the end of a sales call or whatever. Right. You know, do you want to drink bad water? Well, no, I don't because it enables them to say no. And they're more comfortable. They don't feel conflicted. Right. That's kind of how the title good human sell kind of does. It's the same kind of, Ooh, it just puts people at, wait a minute. We're all good humans. And we have something very like my, that, that I'm thinking of a guy on a group sales coaching I did, where we just talked about strong calls to action a few weeks ago. I still see his face on zoom. And I, he was, he sort of had this little bit of a half smile and I could tell he wasn't bought in. And this is not the first time I taught this group. So I went ahead and called him out. You know, I wouldn't do that to someone I didn't know, but I was like, you know, John, I'm looking at your face here. In this in the Brady Brown Square, and I'm thinking you're not you're not tracking with me or you're not agreeing with me. What is it? What are you thinking? And he said, I don't want to be too pushy. I mean, he just he he did disagree with that last part I was suggesting where you name what you're going to do next. And again, his intention was to be a good human. He said, I don't want to be too aggressive. And so I think that whether you're using the idea of being a good person, whether you're using that to underact or to do what you think is acting too much or the balance that we're looking for here, everybody wants to claim the name mm-hmm. for their own action, right? They're saying good humans do this. No, yeah. good humans do this, no good humans do this. It's in politics. It's in religion. You see it everywhere, right? Yes. Right. If you really cared about people, you know, you get a vaccine. No, if you really cared about people, you care about my individual rights. Right? Yeah, like exactly. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> got everybody's got a side where they define this is humanity. But the commonality that is interesting, I agree with you, is that people want to, I think you know, they do want that identity. Mm-hmm. And m- for the most part, I think that's coming from a good place. I think it is coming from a good place. And sometimes they just don't even know that that's really, that's why your second book will, will be really cool too. They just don't really realize that that's really what they're feeling. They don't know how to put a name to it. You know, I want to be a good human. I'm not a sociopath. I am this, you know, I am helping my neighbor. I am doing all of these things. And, um, and so we all have our excess baggage, right. From growing up and those things. So they're all going, and and you're never going to please a hundred percent on how you approach them ever. It's, it's never going to be, that's why, you know, we can't bottle that you're going to win at a hundred percent, right? <laughs> you just right. can't bottle That's it right. because everybody has their perception. And we've talked sometimes about perce- perception, but it's just that moment of saying, I am human and I want to be helping people. So how do I do it? And I like what you said at the very beginning, it's got to be in their format. I think yes. it was you recently that posted really, you can have a framework, but not a script. And I know when I go into companies and they're like, where's the, where's our cold calling script? Where's our this? And I'm like, well, first of all, no one wants to feel like they're on the other end of a script. Yes. And can you imagine the confidence that somebody 
has, if they're just reading a script, it's kind of like, I don't even understand what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, yes. you're just asking me to make appointments. So get on the phone. Hello, Mr. Customer, we sell X, Y, Z. And are you interested? And all day long, those cold callers get shot down, right? Yes. Or it's yes. like, well, yes. why do you cold call to begin with? Yes. And it's, and so you have that whole battle. I don't want to talk to a salesman. Well, actually you kind of do because you talk to your grandkid today. So you're selling something to your grandkid today yes. and you know, you get that on LinkedIn, no selling here. It's like, well, but everybody, I'm not saying a pitch, even when you're not selling, you're selling, you know what I mean? It's right. like, because I, because I'm here to build relationships and I, um, at the very least, I'm looking for like-minded people to be exactly right. Right. I'm like, I'm trying to influence for something or recruit for something, even if it's not a cash transaction around that. It, exactly. I, I remember asking somebody on a podcast and they're like, well, why the heck do you think I would want to be on your podcast? And I was like, because you're an interesting human being and you do a lot of amazing things that people want to hear about. You know, I mean, that's what else am I supposed to say? Right. You're Isn't that interesting. so interesting. You know what? When you were talking a minute ago, I was going to, I was going to bring this up and I'll bring it up here. I think that you've heard different people that this has been attributed to, but a place that I heard, I went through some marketing training a few years ago. And when I went through the building a story brand method, they mm -hmm. teach a framework for how you frame copy. That, again, a framework, very helpful. You don't have to follow every single thing about it. The principles are, are useful to yeah. helping you design a website or put together a flyer or think about a value proposition. I brought the information into sales for a value proposition. Mm -hmm. So Donald Miller was, this was pre-COVID. So I got to go in person <laughs> to the That's training. Awesome. Yeah, it was really great. And and, and at the in-person training, and, and one of the things he talks about with the, the motivation of writing compelling copy that invites people into a story is he had this expression he kept saying, and he said, deep down, most people are wondering if they're really enough. Yeah. And he said, I think that, you think that, the people you're going to serve think that. And I don't even think that's quite the same as imposter syndrome, which people also like to talk a lot about, which I think is important and, and great. Yeah. What I mean is enough for the task of whatever it is, right? Will I, am I skinny enough? Am I smart enough? Will I be clever enough? Will I have enough followers? Do I know enough? Um, I'm not sure it's even about being found out. I, I don't even, I'm not even sure it's that mature thought. I think it's just having the crack in the cup. And what I think the reason I love sales so much, and the reason I love to talk with people about sales is because if you can patch your crack, yeah. <laughs> patch your crack in the cup enough and keep working on that, that you can focus on another person and realize that they're wondering if they're enough. There yeah. is a way that the right product or service can help that person be enough for yeah. whatever the task is at hand at that moment. And if it's not, they're either going to buy from you later, or you're going to send them on their way to somebody who can help them. 
And I really believe that's the three main things that happen on calls, right? If someone agrees to a call with you, this is not a cold call. If they agree to a call with you, right? They're either going to, you're going to qualify them on what is the problem they have and their timing. So are we going to keep talking? Cause this is really a sales lead. Um, oh, this is interesting. They're doing some research. This is an educational call, but this isn't timely. So they're actually going to get kicked back over to marketing because they're not ready yet. Or I'm going to disqualify them, but because I'm a good human, I'm actually going to make a suggestion about what they might look at instead. I really want to encourage your listeners to think, because I'd love to hear from them on this. Is there anything else that comes up that's other than those three? Like those are my three that happen over and over and over and over again. Well, because of that, like I, this, this idea of thinking deep down, most of us are worried, am I enough? There's a way I can serve with mm-hmm. any of those outcomes. And it's yeah. so empowering to me. It's, it's made it such that I'm hardly nervous anymore for sales calls because I feel like, well, I don't know if it's going to work out. I'm going to show up and do my best to find out. And they're going to, you know, they're going to ask their questions. And if I'm not, I'm going to make a good referral. And I have such great relationships now after doing this for 25 years. So I've got marketing people, I've got sales leads, I've got all different kinds of trainers. If it's not me, it's probably someone else. And it's like, there's something great that's going to come out of it almost no matter what. Now I realize Valerie, as I say that I'm privileged because I'm selling for my own company. I don't have somebody who's being oppressive or a terrible manager on me. I know that some people feel more pressure because of external forces than that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would say, hone your skills so you don't have to stay there because sales does not have to be that way and shouldn't be that way. You know, and you brought up a good point on leadership, but I want to address two things or yes, and I want to address two things and I hate using the word, but, and we all accidentally do it, right? (laughs) So two things is not enough and capacity expansion. To me, those go hand in hand with service, right? Somebody isn't quite enough. So you give service Mm. and then yes, taking the steps to say, I am a good human because I exist to serve and help others versus this narcissistic, whatever you're going to get to right on the other side. And to say that we all, we all have those moments. I sing opera for 18 years. You really got to steal yourself because you're going in front of people that are going to, some are not going to like you. Some are going to like you. And you go through this liked, respected, hey, I did my best job. This was beautiful. This wasn't beautiful. You know, and as a female growing up, sometimes if you even acknowledge that something was beautiful in my era, it was like for yourself, it was, you were very self-absorbed, right? (laughs) And so you're a diva or something. Yeah. Like some kind of diva. So you had to literally learn to say, thank you for the compliment. Right. I mean, that, that is one of the hardest things is by me not thanking you, I'm actually dissing your compliment, but at the same time, sometimes we forget because we get in our own headspace with that. So that was one thing that I just loved hearing you say, and I'm going to repeat it again for the listeners, because it is when we're not enough, we're giving something that helps them create enough capacity, right? When you're serving somebody and what I also, um, and I probably got on my soapbox, but leadership, you just touched on something because 
micromanagement is not always micromanagement. It's the perception of something, right? But when I have dealt with some sales teams, you know, and they go, I'm not enough because there's KPIs. We all have to grow companies. We all have to be accountable for certain things, right? Grow your craft, even if it doesn't fit this model. Yes. And I have former sales reps that can attest to this. I will go help you find a job if it doesn't work here. Yes. Right. At least work on this because I believe you can do it. I can, I believe that maybe product fit isn't your thing here. Right. But if you've honed your skills, there is a product that is perfect for what you're doing. Because you're working on personal mastery. Exactly. Because you're working on, you're working on yourself inside that context. And that is the thing that, you know, people come to me, it's so interesting to me, Valerie, that they come thinking they want the tools. And when we start talking, you realize they're, they're just disorganized. I mean, yeah. it's not just their sales life. It's like, they're just disorganized as people, right? Like they don't use any list. They don't, they don't know their goals. They don't. And I'm not trying to make somebody be wrong or be a jerk. It's like, like you think your problem is one thing, but then as you get to know people and you invite them in, you realize, oh, I I need service in these different ways, right? And so things that you learn through selling are Mm -hmm. things like managing myself, initiating Mm -hmm. with people, practicing being a clear communicator. Where did we learn to say and instead of but? (laughs) Right? It's from the improv world brought into selling, right? I learned it at a conference. Yeah. Um, What else? How to write copy. I mean, the way I fundraise, the way I write social media posts came from marketing training I got. Well, why did I go there? So I could learn to write better value propositions. Yeah. I have people ask if I'll review the header on the nonprofit website. I'm like, that's not clear. I can't tell what you sell. How do I know that? Because I cold called for 17 years. So it yeah. all comes together with the practice, 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 practice of the things you get good at. And um, it's interesting. I'm getting to be of an age now that I will have young women and young moms, especially will say, I want to have my own company. Yeah, I want to work from home. How can I have what, what you have? And like, you need a skill. You need a skill. <laughs> you need a skill. Right? You need a skill. I mean, it can be any number of things, right? We've got to learn to do stuff. And, and if you're able, I would say if you're able that it's still beneficial, I'm not um, anti always an entrepreneur, you know, but my, my own story is that I did corporate. I let the company train me. I got lots of great training. Learn to cold call, learn to manage myself, learn to initiate, learn some, learn to present, learn to give demos. And then I went out on my own and thought, now what is my unique take on this that I know how to do that's special? And I realized people will pay you to cold call because they don't like to do it. And that's how I <laughs> that's how I founded my first business. But it was only after I got some of those skills. And so I just a hundred percent agree with you. I feel like. A person can choose to be happy in under many circumstances and learn everything there is to learn there and then take that elsewhere. Because if you are your same unorganized self here, you're going to bring your same unorganized self over here and you're not going to know what the problem really is. Yeah. Yeah. And know that there's steps. You look back and you go, wow. I now know what I didn't know back then and it's getting better and better. It's okay if you were great at that stage because you'll become greater and greater and greater. And I, 
anyways, I've always just loved your enthusiasm with it, right? It's, it's the energy is contagious and, and it, it feels always so amazing. And Catherine, a lot of people want, we only have a couple of minutes left. I want them to know what you like to do in your free time, who your biggest mentor was. And then I want them to, I want you to tell them how they can reach you. Okay, super. Thank you. So I do love to travel a lot. And after a couple months of being home from London, I was like, okay. One day I turned and looked at my husband. And I said, I'm ready for a big trip again. <laughs> I, was glad I was kind of freaked out. I'm like, okay, I've started to, I've started to look at um, Airbnbs and around the world. And I get this wonderful thing in Houston. There's a wonderful newsletter that you can get that's called Escape Houston, which is hilarious. But every day they email you the airfares around yes. the world, like the best deal. So I, I love to get that. So I watch that all the time. I have really renewed my love of reading, um, love to entertain, having a dinner party tomorrow night. Oh, so wow. excited people are doing that in person again. So I, I love, I love to host. I love people. I mean, I love people. So it always involves people. Mentor wise, um, you know, I'm going to name. I'm actually going to name my very first recruiter trainer. I had a, a recruiting trainer. This was my second job out of college. His name is Jeff. And I thought he was a wonderful model of leadership at the time because I actually had to cold call in front of him and I had oh. to practice. And that is such a nerve wracking experience. At the time I was 23 or 24, he was so dear. You know what he did? He went in the cube like one cube over where he could still hear me, but he wasn't standing over me. Yeah. And he let, he let me practice first by practicing on some friends. He said, before we start to call some people that you don't know at all, I want to let you practice and get warmed up. And you can talk about working for our company and kind of give the pitch. You can do that um, to someone that you know. Yeah. So he let me call a few people, you know, a couple people first and get started. And then we started that training. So there were just some thoughtful, think about that. This was back in the mid nineties, Valerie. I mean, think about the, the ring the bell, you know, culture. It was, yeah. he, was he could have been like that. And he wasn't like that. Oh, and he was a model leader, great recruiter. Like his numbers were awesome. And he managed others. And so we wanted to be like him. I learned a lot, I learned a lot. That's awesome. Kindness, kindness in, in modeling. You know, he, he was, sure. it was great. Well, that's awesome. So Catherine, everybody wants to know how to reach out to you and you know, I, what's the best way they'll get it in the podcast. They'll get a bunch of links and everything, but what's the best way to reach you? Thank you so much. So I get a lot of email and I, I really prefer LinkedIn. I okay. check it every day and there are a lot of Catherine Browns out there. So, you know, at the end of your LinkedIn email address, I mean, at the, at the end of your email, it'll be linkedin.com slash in slash minus Catherine Lee Brown. Okay. Because there's lots of Catherine Brown. So it's yes. <laughs> Lee, L-E-E Brown. And so I would love to be connected with people there. That's a great way. You can learn more about the book. And I have a keynote around the book that's the same title called How Good Humans Sell. And I also have sales training courses. And all of that is at the name of my sales training company, which is my second website. And that is extraboldsales.com. So either howgoodhumansell.com or extraboldsales.com are the two sites 
I've got free resources, all kinds of cool stuff out there that people can check out if they'd like to learn more. And the book is purposely inexpensive and accessible. It's $10 on Kindle. So yeah, no, that that's awesome. So I want to, first of all, I want to thank you, Catherine Brown, for being on the show. It was such a pleasure. I was so excited about this one today. I knew, well, it was just a pleasure. And I think that um, what you're doing is amazing for people. So awesome job. Um, I want to thank all the listeners today um, for the revenue. If you, Revenue Maze, if you liked it, go and share it. Love it. Go on Amazon, buy the book, how good humans sell, do whatever, you know, but show some, show some love to Catherine. <laughs> Thank you so much. Anyway. I really, I know that you have a lot of wonderful trainers in your community that you can refer to with your clients. And I, I appreciate you folding me in and sharing me with them. And I am, I think you've been a, a lovely model of generosity for that. So thank you. You're welcome. And once again, thanks everybody for listening. It's another episode of the Revenue Maze. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you all for joining another great episode. For show notes, links, and resources, visit revenuemaze.com. And never forget, you are why. 